Hello and welcome to episode five of the Story Podcast. I am Harris the Third. I am here with Sammy Harvey, as always, and we are a week and a half away from Story 2016. Can you believe it? Uh, <laughs> yes and no. Like it's crazy. Um, but we just confirmed a huge speaker, so that's pretty exciting. Ooh, can you? Yeah, share he's not even on the website. I don't even know if he will make it on the website. Wow. He is the VP of production for National Geographic. Oh my gosh. He was one of the executive producers on Deadliest Catch. Uh, his name is Matt Renner. Amazing guy. Super super talented. He's won an Emmy, um, and he uh, recently exactly produced a project in partnership uh, with Nat Geo and Ron Howard, who's a pretty big deal. So Ron Howard directed it, he produced, um, and we're going to be talking a little about that project, that story. It's it's a project that is in a genre of work that National Geographic has never ventured into before. That's we have an Emmy-winning producer, uh, another one, coming to story. So yeah, lots of exciting updates, and we still have some huge surprises up our sleeves. So it's getting pretty fun. It's going to be an amazing conference. And... Uh, at this time of recording, I think we have less than 60 seats left, so we are almost oh, wow. sold out. And I think we'll probably most likely be sold out sold out by the time we get here. So, Oh my gosh, so if you're listening and you don't have a ticket and you're yes. planning on being there, you better hurry up. Better hurry wasn't, up. Because weren't there 80 tickets yesterday? Uh, yeah. So yeah, you sold Monday. 20 tickets. Oh my gosh. Yeah, well people found out. They're like, oh yeah, I'll get it when I get there. I'll yeah. just get it at the door. But uh, people are finding out nope. there may not be any available at the door. So... Don't delay. It's going to be amazing. Awesome. Jump over to storygathering.com and get your registration for story. All right, let's talk about this week's guest. Annie F. Downs. Annie F. Downs. Um, I love her. You just met her for the first time, yeah, right? Yeah, I just met her for the first time, but I've been a huge fan of her for a long time, and I really enjoyed this conversation talking about writing, creativity, mental health. She's amazing. Yeah, and I feel still... I kind of feel like she's just now at the beginning of her writing career. She's a published author, even though she has multiple books out. Um, I, I just have a feeling she's just now getting started, and she's going to be doing amazing things. Um, she's just an incredible writer and an even better person. And so I've been friends with her for a long time, and this has been kind of fun because we have some episodes coming up on the Story Podcast the, with friends of yours. Mm-hmm. Um, and so this has been kind of cool because the last couple of weeks I've gotten to introduce some friends of mine to you, and so that's been really fun. Um, but yeah, looking forward to this interview with Annie. It was a really, really good interview. Uh, she talked about everything from just generic advice to aspiring writers to, as you just mentioned, just being healthy and finding rest. So I want to ask you what your highlights were so badly, but we'll wait. Wait till the end. We'll wait till the end. <laughs> Here is a Sam and I's conversation with Annie F. Downs. Have a listen. so excited to have Annie Downs with us right now at the Story headquarters. That's right. I'm happy to be here. There's jackhammering going on outside <laughs> of our office building. Uh, Sammy is here with us as well, joining in for this interview. And uh, yeah, we're going to get through this. The city noise, the bustling city outside. That's the right way to do it. That's the right way to do it. Everything I do, the, my best creative moments are when it's loud around me. I know that shocks you. <laughs> but Annie F. Downs likes some noise and some funk. So. Yes. Well, I'm super excited that Annie was able to join us today because uh, she's actually a really uh, close friend of mine, and she is an aspiring author, speaker. She's traveling around the world constantly. Aspiring uh, or inspiring? Ins- inspiring and aspiring. You're you're constantly aspiring towards really huge things. Sure. So I think it's both, right? Sure. Yeah. yeah. That's what, that's why I was like, I wonder which one he said, because I think both are true. I'm just curious. Mm. Yeah. I'll yeah. just keep interrupting you. <laughs> <That's okay. laughs> Go ahead. So, uh, welcome to the Annie Downs podcast. <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. Appreciate you guys tuning in for this. It's a takeover. Yeah. Right. Um, it's amazing. No, all kidding aside, do take over for a second. Let's just kind of start at the beginning. Yeah. There's a lot of people listening to this who already know you. For those who don't, let's kind of start at the beginning. Give sure. us kind of your 
lead into becoming an author? What, sure. what did you do before this? You know, I kind of grew up loving books. We didn't watch TV in our house. And my grandparents, both sets of grandparents, grew up in the same, I grew up in the same town where they were. One set of grandparents owned a bookstore. The other grandmother was a librarian. Mm-hmm. So books were our thing. I mean, that was, that was what we knew. I never planned to write one, though. I just loved them. I mean, absolutely loved them. And I actually studied, when I was in college, I studied teaching elementary school because my third grade teacher had meant so much to me that I was like, I want to be her, right? Mm-hmm. And, um, but the whole time I was journaling and writing and doing some poetry and just, I just enjoyed getting words out like that. And when I was 26-ish, I started writing um, actual things for people to see, a blog, um, some curriculum for a church, just kind of doing some public writing, and I loved it. So that's really how this all kind of started. And then I literally, in 2006, I Googled, how do you become a writer, right? <laughs> what did you find? <laughs> well, in 2006, Google wasn't as smart as it is now. So what, it, what I found was writers' conferences hmm. and people who were writers writing blog posts about how they got there. And so that's what I read and that's what I did is I, is I just kind of, I ended up going to a couple of writers conferences. There was one in, I lived in Atlanta at the time. There was one in Atlanta that was a one day conference. And I thought, this is a good test. I'm not flying anywhere. I'm not like giving up like an entire weekend. It's a Friday. I took a Friday off of school, went to like a creepy conference room in a weird hotel in downtown Atlanta. Right. (laughs) But, but being in that room surrounded by people who were ahead of me and were pursuing this set me on fire and I was like oh I need to keep doing this what, what age or like se- season of life were you in yeah time? I was 26 okay so single and taught school owned a house like thought I'd be in Atlanta forever mm. and then this thing and, and so I tell writers a lot find like a, a short easy writers conference even if you just do meetup.com and find a bunch of fiction writers in your town who meet at bookstores once a month. Like, just go sit and listen, and if it makes you feel like you're on fire on the insides, you need to keep going, Mm -hmm. right? Because if you hear people doing what you're doing and it makes you want to, like, grab them, (laughs) you know? You know that Mm -hmm. feeling of, like, I just want to grab them. I just want them to tell me everything, yeah? Yeah. So when you're around those people, you need to listen to that and go, like, oh, the reason I feel this is, the reason I want to grab him or her is because there's something burning in me about this. And I want to do that. And so mm-hmm. that's what happened at that first writer's conference. So I just kind of kept going, ended up moving to Nashville about eight years ago, in 2008, and pursued writing and speaking and um, kind of this career from then on. Yeah. Why Nashville? You know, it's just a great place to not have a real job, <laughs> right? I mean, <laughs> yeah. right? Like you sit in coffee shops and the coffee shop is full of people who are making money. But you don't know that because they could just be playing on Facebook. And most of them are, right? <laughs> most yeah. of them are switching yeah, back sure. and forth. Um, and where I grew up, everyone has real jobs, which is great. I respect my hometown and how hard they work. But everyone has real jobs. And so when you sit in a coffee shop, you're either um, a college kid or you don't have a job. Like I was in my, a coffee shop in my hometown not three months ago. And the kid next to me, was he, it was like two 20-year-olds. And one, it was a guy and his girlfriend, and he was like, I mean, but I don't want to do that job at that restaurant. And I was like, here's who's in coffee shops in this part of the world, right? <laughs> that is not who's in coffee shops in Nashville. Mm. So it was a good, good place, and it's a great place to be creative, to pursue something sure. that other people don't necessarily understand or do outside of a creative field. I, I'm not a big fan of calling myself a creative because I don't know that it's a noun. I think it's probably an adjective, mm-hmm. but that's, right. a, that's a word, snobby thing. Um, so I'm not necessarily a creative per se, but I create things a lot. And this, this town is full of people who love to create things. So it was a smart place to be. Y'all know that, right? I mean, we know that this town is full of that. And I totally get the friction with that word. Um, and I just kind of accept the fact that it's, it's a word that a lot of the world uses and understands. But does a lot of the world use it and understand it? Or does like our sector use it and understand it? And people outside of our sector go like, I think it's definitely an industry term for sure. Yeah. Yeah. What I would call that. And I would label you as one. If you're talking right. to someone, it's like, if we get past the word, I think you're incredibly creative. Therefore right. yeah. you, you are a, I like the word creator a lot too. Yeah. Like I like creator. You're a, a creator of content yeah. and words. I'm really yep. curious listening to you talk. Was there a point where you had this aha moment? Was it whether from your childhood, teenage years, college students, where you're like someday I don't want a real job anymore. 
No, there so really that, wasn't. There wasn't this like, I feel trapped by the 7.30 to 3.30 elementary school teacher schedule. It was never that. I mean, I, I do love laying by a swimming pool. So I love to day off. I love not having to be somewhere. But it was never, for me, it was never a choice of I need out of a traditional job. Yeah. It was more, and in fact, this is true for all of us to some degree, I kind of have a traditional job again. I mean, I go to my office every mm. day and I work all day long. I mean, sure. this, this career does not allow, if you want to actually do well in this career, you do not get to be a freelancey, play around, work two days a week kind of person, sure. unless you have like a sugar daddy and then more power to you, but I don't. <laughs> <laughs> and so I work every day. I mean, not every day, I, but every work day I work. Yeah. Sure. What is your work day routine look like most days? Yeah. So I get to work in the nine ish region. Um, and the first couple of hours are usually, so one of my, I have two employees and one works here in Nashville with me and one's in Atlanta. And so we all use Slack. Do y'all use Slack? Mm-hmm. I love Slack. Yeah, yeah, so that's kind of our check-in, right? Everybody gets on, gets on Slack. The first couple of hours are usually email, booking flights, catching up. What do we need? What do, what do they need from me? And then um, after lunch, I usually do my creative writing time. If mm. there's projects I'm working on or outlining or having things due to other, um, outlets, I usually do that in the afternoons. Um, and if I'm in a book writing season, it looks a little bit different because I write really well first thing in the morning. Not first. My first thing is nine. My first thing is not 5am in the morning. I'm not that guy. I was actually going to ask what happens before 9am. So if you roll into the office at nine, sure. Does that mean you're Um, waking up at eight and showering and rolling? No, seven. I wake up at seven. Yeah. Is there like a ritual or routine that Mm -hmm. you're going through every single morning? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I, this is Sammy. You're not going to believe this, but I wash my hair every day. I know. It's amazing. I am trying to get out of that. My hairdresser keeps telling me, you got to stop washing your hair every day. I'm like, but I like the way it smells. I love it. (laughs) I love washing my hair every day. I don't know why everyone wants me to stop that. Hey guys, guess what? I wash my hair every day too. See? Okay, great. So we're just one of the same. Power to us. We're all on the same page here. Thank you. (laughs) Although Annie can now see her shampoo bottle. Yeah, that's right. Because I I got LASIK. I don't want to get too much off on a rabbit trail, but you just got LASIK and now you can see your shampoo bottles. That's right. She was at our house the other night and we were joking around and laughing because. I was like, oh, you weren't traumatizing that? You legitimately would just feel the shape of the bottles? Yeah. Like her eyesight. Was- yeah, I just knew I hadn't memorized what bottle was what, and I have them in a line. And so I know what to go to. I mean, if, I would hold it close to my face if I wasn't sure, but reaching across the shower, I knew what I was getting based on the shape of the bottle, not the words wow. on the bottle. But That's now amazing. I can see everything. Okay, so I, I usually get up and shower. I have a cup of tea because I don't drink coffee. Mm. Um, I don't really need a lot of caffeine. I'm a lot of Annie without caffeine, so I don't need, I mean, people get enough of me without Is that having, why you don't drink coffee because of the caffeine? Um, I used to get really bad migraines when I taught school. Okay. And when I, my last semester teaching school, a homeopathic doctor had me quit pork and um, coffee or all caffeine, all sodas, and I quit teaching. And I don't know which one got rid of the migraines, but I'm not bringing any of them back. <laughs> Smart. <laughs> right. So at least not for now. So that's why I don't drink coffee. Gotcha. Um, so, but I do the little bit of caffeine that's in tea in the morning and then I just like read, I try to take 20 or 30 minutes to like think about my day and yeah. process through what we're doing, what happened yesterday, what's on my heart, what matters to me. Mm-hmm. Um, I, a big journal or so I'll journal for a little bit, read books or the Bible, whatever's right in front of me, right with me. And, and so I try to set 20 or 30 minutes for that. Um, and then by then it's usually time to leave. I have about a 15 minute commute. So there's still some creative thinking, I guess, by the time you get to the office, there's just not as much output, I guess it's more reflective and yeah, I'm a big, I don't know if every writer is like this. Um, but I have to think a lot to get words out. I have Mm -hmm. to think about something for a really long time before the words come out. So I can spend three days at the office and type a hundred words but I've been thinking the whole time. And for some reason on the fourth day, 10,000 words flow out or whatever, mm-hmm. not 10, two, 2,000 words flow out on the fourth day. And it's bizarre. I don't know why it works that way. It used to really frustrate me. I felt like I was wasting time. I'd be like, you are terrible at this job because you just sit and think. Mm-hmm. But then I've, as I've grown in it, and now that this has been my full-time job for four and a half years, um, I've realized like, no, that's part of you. That's how you do this. And so 
you need to schedule time like that. So if something's due on a Friday, I don't start thinking about it on a Friday. Mm-hmm. I start thinking about it on Tuesday, knowing that I'll probably write some Tuesday, Wednesday, and really write Thursday and turn it in Friday. Yeah. yeah. I want to talk a little bit more about this. So you just came out with a new book this past year, Yeah, right? April. Right? Yep. April. Okay. And then you're already working on your next book. Yeah, so Looking for Lovely came out in April of 16, but it was actually finished in November of 15-ish. Okay. That's when we finished editing. That's when that's when I stopped working on it, mm. right? So it's been almost a year that I haven't been actively working on a book, which doesn't seem very long unless it's your full-time job, right? And then, sure. like, <laughs> like, it is. people Doctors do surgery every day, even though they did surgery yesterday, right? And then people are like, you're working on another book? I'm like, yeah, that's what I do. <laughs> like, yeah. like, are you going to pay the bills? Because if you will, I won't. Why, why is that? Do you get I'll this perception? The There's there like this general perception that people who write books just write one in their lifetime? It's like no, their it's autobiography this, it's or their memoir. It's more of a feel of like, don't you need more time to yeah. like live? And I'm like, well, yeah, but I'm 36 and I've only written six books. There's, I mean, there's, if we're doing the math, that's six years per book. Like I got a lot, I've spread it out. That's a lot of stories. (laughs) I've got a lot of stories still to tell. That doesn't mean that I don't respect people's processes. And some people need three years between books or choose to take three years between books. I like writing books a lot. And I don't know that every book has to be the, this is. This is my autobiographical memoir, That's the right. story of my this life. This encapsulates right. everything. Sure. Yeah. In fact, and maybe I you'll th- write that book someday. I think of it more like Trivial Pursuit. Um, you know the Trivial Pursuit little the disc little you get? Yeah, the pie where you do different slices. Like, I'm not going to write a book that's the whole game. But hmm. I can write a bunch of different books around different slices of the pie and and focus in on that. Mm-hmm. And so, 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 Sammy, say we're, I'm working on the next one. It, it feels like, this is a weird analogy, but stay with me, won't you? Um, you know how when kids are in the bathtub and they have all their toys, they have like 15 toys in the bathtub. I'm sure your mm-hmm. little guys do this. Yep. And then at some point they decide to start lining them up on the side of the tub. Mm-hmm. So where I am in the next book process is I think all the toys are in the tub, but I have no idea how they line up on the side. Mm. Like I think I know where we're going. I think I have some thoughts on what... I want to talk about what I, when I'm listening to my friends, what my friends want to read about and what people want to hear about, not necessarily for me, but just on the planet. What are people talking about? Right. So I'm listening to that. I'm listening to what's stirring in my life. I'm taking 10 steps back from my own life and looking down and going, what's going on? What's, what is happening in my life that has a theme? Because a lot of times whatever's happening in my life that has a theme is what is the direction I want to write in. And so that's kind of what I'm doing. All the, all the toys are in the tub. We just haven't, we'll line them up. I'm working on a project right now for another author. Um, and when I finish that in mid-October, then I'll start lining up the toys in November and really get to writing in the winter. Oh, so you're writing for other authors as well. I love doing that. Yeah. Really? Tell me about that. How else am I going to pay for LASIK, bro? <laughs> <laughs> uh, but seriously, I said to the author, I was like, thank you so much for buying my LASIK and my Scot- <laughs> and my flight to Scotland. <laughs> right? Because I wanted to do two things yeah. and I needed to make, you know, because I run a company. I'm not just, a, sure. the money just doesn't come to me. Sure. So if I want to do extra things, I need to take extra work. Yeah, of course. And because that's not fair to my employees for me to go like, Hey, I know we're all working the same amount, but I'm going to take an extra couple of grand to do what I want to do. I, I just doesn't feel like a good CEO move. So I decided I'd rather take another job. I take an extra writing gig. So I just took a, another writing job for an author to help them get through a project that they were struggling to finish themselves. And it's a two part project and they did one part and I'm doing the other part. So I do yeah. that a, a decent amount. I have two books that I've like ghost written. I like doing that. There's a lot of authors who feel very strongly about like, I'm not writing your words. I'm not going to do that. And that's great for them. They don't have to. But for me, I, I like it. It gets me to keep writing. It stretches. You know, I'm just going to ask if it stretches you as a writer. Totally. It just works out different muscles, right? Yeah. Like it's just like going to the gym. If you do leg day every day, you're going to have really great looking legs and your arms are going to be weird. Right. <laughs> and so if I just write books in my own genre, in my own voice all the time, I'll get really strong at that. But that's not totally the kind of writer I want to be. I don't want to just be strong in my own voice. I don't feel like that makes yeah. you better. Hmm. So I like taking other projects that kind of push me to write like outside of me. Cause yeah. I think it makes it better when I write like me. Yeah. Hmm. 
What was your creative process like for looking for Lovely, your last book? Yeah, so all my books kind of, what I've come to is I outline all of them on the wall in my office. Okay. And so... That's like chapter structure? Yeah, chapter. Each chapter is a fourth of a piece of poster board. So cut a piece of poster board into fourths. Okay. And I write the title-ish that I think is going to happen on each poster board. And then I take sticky notes of all different colors and put the stories that I'm going to want. So I probably... um, in a six month writing period for a $50,000, $50,000 wrong. <laughs> and the book's going to cost you $50,000. That was your advance, right? Oh. <laughs> yeah, <I wish. laughs> um, for a 50,000 word book, um, I'm probably going to spend a month outlining over six months because I put really so much energy and effort into that. So for looking for lovely, I, I didn't mean for it to come out quite like it did. I meant to write more of a, self-esteem isn't the right word, but I meant to write a book more kind of teaching women about how you learn to love how you were made mm-hmm. versus always trying to change yourself. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I believe there's a real balance in like appreciate what you have and do whatever you can to be as healthy as you can. Mm-hmm. And, sure. and combining those two, I think is the trick. I don't think we need to go all in one way or the other. And, but then as I started writing more pain came out than mm-hmm. I planned on. And so I was writing things and crying and going like, wait, I don't want to tell this story. I don't mm. tell this story. Well, it's already out and it's already in Scrivener, which is the program I write books in. Mm-hmm. It's already in Scrivener, so I'll leave it there, see what happens next. And so then as I'm doing that, I'm kind of adjusting the poster boards and working that out. So that's kind of how, how it went down with looking for Lovely is I knew I wanted – the book before that was called Let's All Be Brave about how – to be courageous in the life you already have versus trying to find this brave life, right? Like I'm going to move to Singapore and be a pop star. I'm going to be brave, right? (laughs) Well, that's great. And if you want to do that, go do that. But you already have a life. Mm -hmm. And what does it look like to be brave in the life you already have? Because that will push you to the next brave thing, right? And so when I was finished writing that book, my life kind of fell apart. I turned it in and about two days later, literally like, got on a plane and flew away and didn't tell anybody where I was going. Like for some reason, what, what came out of me when I was writing, let's all be brave caused a total meltdown. Hmm. And I kind of thought, I don't know that I'll ever write a book again. This was too revealing. It was too personal. This was terrible. And when I turned it in, I said to my editor, you don't have to tell me it's good. Just tell me you think I worked hard. Cause I know it's not good. <laughs> right. Wow. I mean, just cause I had thought just, just, n- just tell me you think I tried, even if it's terrible. Mm-hmm. And we edited a lot. I mean, she did it. My first editor named Carolyn McCready at Zondervan was really kind and really helpful to me. So I get through that. I have the little bit of a breakdown and it kind of just starts me in this healing cycle of why do I always quit when things get hard? And why don't I believe in perseverance? Why isn't perseverance a part of my life? And so then I started writing again and got a book deal on and kind of started outlining and thinking about looking for lovely and realizing that I always quit because I've always quit. And if you quit quitting and persevere through the hard things and you get to the other side, you're a different person. It's lovely. And it's lovely, right? I mean, it really is. You, you become someone that you wanted to be and you didn't know you got to be her or him. And so it's worth it. And I just didn't ever know it was worth it because I'd never gotten to the other side, really. I mean, I graduated high school. I graduated college. I finished things. But when something broke my heart, I ran. For, I'm at Enneagram 7, so I run from pain. I like – there's animals that go with your Enneagram, and I'm a butterfly when I'm healthy, and I'm a caterpillar when I'm not, mm-hmm. right? And so because I, Or a monkey, but we can talk about that later. But <laughs> I caterpillar. I hide. And I had always hidden from my pain until summer of 2013. And then I went, actually, I need to look all of this in the face. Mm-hmm. And I was not doing it to write a book. I was doing it to be Annie. I realized there was a better Annie that could exist if I would stop quitting. And then at the end of that – as I started working on this other book, all of that poured out. And I went, oh, I'm going to have to tell all the stories about how I used to quit, and now I don't want to be a quitter. So that's mm-hmm. where Looking for Lovely came yeah, from. I feel like you just said something really amazing. <clears throat> There's a lot of people listening that need to hear that and probably insert their own name, just change mm-hmm. the names out. Mm-hmm. You said you could be a much better Annie if you stopped mm-hmm. quitting. Yeah. What was it specifically that you needed to stop quitting? Yeah, I needed to quit running from pain. 
I had to quit believing that quitting was easier. Hmm. Right? Like I just had always believed that, gosh, this is hard. If I walk away, I don't have to finish and I'm no worse for the wear. And that's, and that's actually a lie. What's actually the truth is when, you know, the thing we have to contend with is, am I slamming my head into a closed door? Is this opportunity actually closed or am I just supposed to keep pushing? Right. And so we have to contend with that. And there are times when a door is closed and you have to go like, I hear that. I will, I will hear that. Um, but I also think that probably the majority of the time there's a opportunity to persevere. Yeah. I mean, Seth Godin wrote an incredible book about that called the dip. And yeah. Just trying to figure out, like, if you push through or not. And we could have a whole conversation just about that. The How dip you, in the cul-de-sac. Yeah. Yeah. How would you put that in the form of advice for those out there that are like, man, I'm in that moment right now and I mm-hmm. can't tell. Like, I don't it know. It feels what to do. so hard. Yeah. So what I would say is don't quit yet. Go just don't quit yet. Whether that's a relationship or a project or a counseling appointment or a diet or an exercise. I I don't even like the word diet. I would say making healthier choices for yourself. We got to think long-term, right? Harris. I mean, Mm -hmm. we're, we, all of us in this room and and probably 98% of the people listening hope to be doing a creative thing for the next 50 years of their lives, right? Like we, we aren't looking forward to retiring because we love what we do. Right. And so we don't need to like think, I want to fit into that dress or I want to make, you know, I want to make sure I have a date until Christmas or did it like, let's think long-term let's persevere for the long-term. So, Mm -hmm. so don't give up, just don't give up, just don't give up. And then the other thing I would say is you need to invite some people in Mm -hmm. because if you feel like quitting and y'all have been this for me, Harris, you and Kate have been this for me where I've gone like, I don't know about this. And there are times where people go like, you're right. This isn't working. You need to try something else. And there are other times where people go like, Annie, do not give up. You are on the right path. Just because it's hard doesn't mean it's wrong. Mm -hmm. You need to keep going and get to the other side of this. I have people, there is literally nothing different about my face than um, my face four years ago. Maybe more wrinkles on the side from laughing. (laughs) But there's nothing different about my face. And y'all could go back and look at my Instagram post. People comment about my face all the time. It has nothing to do with my face. It has everything to do with my heart because my heart is a heart that perseveres and you see that in my eyes and that didn't used to be there. And so people go like, you're glowing. You look so pretty, blah, blah, blah. I'm telling, I'm only telling you that to say it has nothing to do with sure. my face. Yeah. It's not my face. It's that I persevere now. I had someone ask me a couple of weeks ago, like we were all sitting at dinner and someone said, I mean, I'd say, let's talk about our new year's resolutions, but everybody's quit those. Haven't they? And I was like, not me, hmm. but see, here's what I did different in new year's is I didn't call it a new year's resolution. Cause I do quit resolutions. I called it a new year's experiment. And I thought, you know what? No one quits experiments. Cause you want to see what happens on the other side of an experiment. That's why mm-hmm. science class works. There's like curiosity. Yeah. Involved. yeah. Yeah. So I've changed my vernacular. I love that to match the life I want to have. So I don't quit anymore. That doesn't mean I'm great and perfect and I don't, but in general, I'm just not the quitter that I used to be. And when I do have moments where I walk away, my my friend Tim Shaw taught this. He's a guy, taught me this. He's a guy here in Nashville, used to play for the Tennessee Titans, is battling ALS heroically. Yeah, really incredible guy. And he said to me, the difference between athletes and normal people is at the gym, if athletes try to lift something and they can't do it, they put it down and come back the next day and try again until they can do it. And he said, there's a really big difference between stopping and quitting. And I was like, you're a genius, right? <laughs> like, of course, that's why athletes are, are, are so strong and so persevere because their brains don't quit. They just stop and try again. So I've had a ton of times in the last year where I've stopped something and tried again, but I'm not quitting. So and maybe the creative community me. could learn a little bit from from athletes. athletes Dude, yeah. you do not know how strongly I think that's true. If we could, in fact, my LASIK doctor said the, the most successful LASIK surgeries are athletes because their minds are already tuned to be as focused as possible. Mm. So when their eyes match their minds focus, he can get them to like 28 instead of 2020. Wow. 20 
eight. Wow. That's incredible. Because their minds are so focused. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm inspired more by athletes than probably any other genre of human. That's super fascinating. It seems unrelated, but yeah, you, you talked about canceling counseling there very briefly. Oh yeah. <clears throat> we can talk about it a lot. Um, I don't want to talk about it too long, but I, okay. I don't want to, I don't want to just like brush over it either because I feel like I think from the outside looking in, it feels like an irrelevant topic to the creative process and storytelling. Um, but I've just learned so much in the last few years that my health as a person, as a creative person, um, greatly impacts the stories that I Gosh, tell yeah. and my work and yeah. the success of that work. And the longevity so of the work. Briefly tell us about the role of counseling, not necessarily sure. just in your personal life. I know it obviously impacts every facet of your life, but how has being involved in counseling and seeing a therapist regularly mm -hmm. played a role in your creativity and writing? Right. So specifically in creativity and writing, what, what my counseling, what she does for me is gives me permission to believe all the stories I've lived. Right. Whereas like an unhealthy Annie would have said, well, I can't tell that because what if they didn't and what if they, and she always says, I don't actually care what any of them think. I don't care about the story they remember. I care about the story you remember. And so that, and that's healthy for me. There are some, you know, we can't abuse other people's stories. Uh, I think that's the way I want to phrase that. We can't, you know, I don't want to just tell a story without thinking through, are we sure this is true? Is this true from multiple angles? That's why after I write a book, I send it to everyone who's in it. You got a copy ahead of time. I send it to everyone who's in it before we publish it and go, are you sure you want to be in this? Are you sure this story feels true to you? Tell me what to change. Mm. That being said, she has given me permission to tell, tell any story I want to tell and believe that I'll still be loved mm. and believe that I'll still be seen and cared for. And so that's probably how it's helped my career. And she really challenges me to rest. When we rest, our brains... I mean, it's just like a lake. When you leave a lake alone, when you're fishing and splashing and da-da-da-da-da, it's messing up all the mud and getting the fish on. When you leave a lake alone, everything gets calm mm -hmm. and you can catch fish a whole lot quicker, mm -hmm. right? Because they aren't worried about the mud. They aren't worried about people. They're not running. And so there's something about rest that my counselor has invited me into this, this bringing rest into my life in a way that calms the waters yeah. and then lets button. me fish. Yeah. 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 Let's, actually, let's talk about that for a minute too. Sure. I mean, you and I just went to Israel together. We did um, with a lot of people, just to be clear, we didn't, you and I didn't <laughs> go to true. Israel. <laughs> there were 28 of us, <laughs> including your wife. We're just yeah. going to put it all there. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and just this, this idea of Shabbat, you know, mm -hmm. like obviously you or I were not, none of us were Jewish, right? Uh, but you know, practicing that idea of rest. And I feel like, and especially in the creative industries there's a lot of talk about hustle over the last yeah, couple of years yeah, it yeah. just seems to be like such a buzzword yeah it, and I always find myself in the middle and kind of torn because I'm like man I am all about the hustle especially the season of life that I'm in taking mm -hmm. over story and mm -hmm. you know still like this office we're sitting in mm -hmm. and the people that work here like they're they're not really paid by story because story is this passion project that can't afford to right. pay them so I still continue to tour and speak and perform they're paid by magic yeah, it's magic <laughs> Yeah, uh, that's not a real paycheck. That's a magical right. paycheck. <laughs> right. You should really start using that. Yeah. Uh, so, like, I have to hustle, um, mm -hmm. but I also have to rest. So, how do you how do you find the balance between? And you know what I actually think is the trick. That's why you're successful. That's why you have an office, and that's why you have story. Mm -hmm. Is because you have balanced hustle and rest. Mm -hmm. The people who go all in on hustle are like a firework show. The people who go all in and rest are not fire at all right? They're lazy. Mm -hmm. It's the middle that is like charcoal yeah. and that's what we need to be. I don't, I don't know that that's my wisdom or makes me a smart person. I think it was forced by having kids. You right. know, I don't know that if I would have ever had kids that I would have been forced slowed to down. slow down. Yeah. So they forced me to slow down and now my commitment investment into so their bossy. lives and them knowing those um, little people <laughs> they are, yeah. they are. <laughs> um, but I love it. You know, yeah. it has forced me to slow down and I, I still love the idea of hustle. I embrace the idea of hustle. Um, I am a hustler. You are. Um, yeah. but at the same time, like I also embrace this idea of rest and, you know, I'm the same. And I think know. part of the hustle thing started because creative people tend to be labeled as, or have a bent toward lazy. Mm -hmm. Interesting. So I we were like trying to protect our brand. Of I, our maybe, I mean, maybe, I think maybe it was that people needed a push 
they're not work, real jobs. Re- right. Yeah. To right. get pushed into work really hard. You want to do this. Here's what it's going to take. So I don't think the hustle people are off. Um, I think the balance is the win. And so for me, what that looks like is almost every Wednesday we don't work because I travel so many weekends, right? So we're in the office Monday, Tuesday, Thursday. Wednesdays are a day off for everyone that works with me. Interesting. And then for usually Friday, Saturday, we're traveling. Three yeah. weekends out of the month, we travel. And so usually Friday, Saturday, we travel. And then Sunday, we're coming home. And so sure. I don't, we don't put it's a lot like of a work into it. But I usually yeah. like on a Sunday night, it, just like when I taught school, just like when I was going to school, Sunday night isn't a restful night. Usually, you're usually like, okay, I need to make sure the laundry's done. And do we have groceries? And do we have like, blah, 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 you know, all that kind of stuff. So Sunday's not restful. So Wednesday is usually the day that we unplug and actually rest because that's something my company's very young. We're, we're four years old. I only have two employees that aren't even full time. I'm barely full time. (laughs) I mean, I'm full time in hours. I'm not so full time in pay. And, um, but from the get go of the company, I want rest to be in the foundation because what I don't want to do is have, have it blow up and, do, and all of a sudden we have nine employees who are working six, seven days a week and everyone's burnout mm. from the, so we're building slower than some companies build, but we're building slower because the foundation has rest in it. The foundation has generosity in it. Mm-hmm. The foundation has physical, spiritual, mental growth in it. And that, and because of that, none of us put in 200 hours a week. Yeah, sure. So we aren't, we aren't going skyrocketing. And, but we're growing, but we're growing slow with a strong foundation. And so that's why rest matters to me is again, I want to be doing this for 50 to 60 more years. Mm -hmm. And I can't do that if we work seven days a week. Yeah. Playing the long game. Yeah. I have to, that's, Mm -hmm. that is the only way you don't give up is if you play the long game and I'm not a quitter anymore. So I don't give up. So I have to play the long game. And the long game says, if this company is going to be strong and have a lot of moving pieces and a lot of good people and here's what's actually true in the end of all of this what does not what matters is not how many books i sold but whether the people who worked for me are healthy and thriving Mm. and if i build a life and build a company where the people are dying and books are selling i've failed i want books to sell i want a lot of books to sell i want to be on a lot of stages i want to do a lot of good for this planet but that starts with the people who sit in the office with me. Sure. So I, I need them to rest. I need them to feel cared for. I need them in 30 years to go like, this altered my life working here because Down's books or Annie cared about my body, soul, and spirit. Mm-hmm. I think it's an incredible reminder. There's a lot of leaders that need to hit the reset button on that and shift mm-hmm. their perspective on the mm-hmm. teams that they lead. And I, I keep hearing you, you, you sound like you're intentionally chasing this idea of building a company where a lot of writers would consider themselves sole proprietors or freelancers. Mm -hmm. Do you want to say anything about that? Sure. And that's great. I mean, I think you can be a freelancer or a sole proprietor work out of, Sure. I mean, my office is about to come back home for a lot of weird reasons. And we're going to work. Why have you chosen to be a company instead? I want, when this is all said and done, when someone's writing my obituary, Mm -hmm. I don't necessarily care as much that they say I, how many books I wrote. I want people to think I ran a really good company. I want people to feel like a a faith-based company can be run as a really strong company. Good for you. That matters to me. And so, and so we aren't a nonprofit and we aren't a ministry. We're a company. And so that way we can take vacations and nobody cares. I have a board of directors that speaks into everything, but, but we don't have these rules that are on a lot of faith-based things that that I, I just didn't feel right for me. It works for a lot of people and it's good. And people have done a lot of good at building their companies as 501 C threes and all that stuff. I, I believe in all that. That's just not what I wanted to do. Yeah, I wanted sure. to, I want, we're Downs Books Incorporated. I wanted to be a company. Yeah. I want to build an empire. It's we're building, we're building. <laughs> You're going to settle for nothing less than yeah. domination. I mean, we have like, yeah, that's exactly <laughs> it. That's my Twitter bio. Why are you reading that to everyone? Uh, no, um, it just feels like that's, I mean that I can see in my head what it looks like. For this to have a lot of moving pieces and a lot of good people and helping a lot of people over a lot of time. I love that. And that requires being a good company yeah. for me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I know Sammy has a few questions as we wrap up the interview, but I oh. just have a couple last things I want to ask you. Uh, 
that I've just been wondering about sitting here listening to you speak. And that sure. is um, earlier. Let's just let's just start with advice. There's a lot of people out there that are in the same season as you mm-hmm. where maybe they've already written a book or two. Maybe they haven't gotten publishing deals like you have. Maybe they've been independently published, which they I did too. Like, they feel like they're in that dip, yep. you know, or they're not quite there yet. They're, they're thinking, man, I've got a book in me or I've got a book mm-hmm. every six years in me. Yeah. Uh, and right now I'm a teacher and I don't know if I should quit and just write what's, what's just your life career advice to them. Yeah. I would say if you think you want to write, start writing, what are you waiting on? There's, you know, you don't need an audience. You don't need a platform. You don't need a book deal. Just start writing. You've got, if you have a computer, mm-hmm. you can be a writer. I don't even think you need to put it on the internet right away because you got to figure out, there's a lot to figure out it, where the atmosphere is right now for writers and social media and blogging and all that stuff. You cannot just start throwing content online and expecting to have readers. There's just too much. Mm-hmm. You've got to know who your audience, you need to think about who your audience, you need to think about what you want to write about. And you need to start writing. So just open a Word document and go to town, son. You know, like yeah. just start writing until it's so until it all comes out. Do I you say, disagree? No, no, no. It's just every time I talk to writers and I say, what's your best advice for other writers? Or I, I read that question online. It's always the same answer. People who just write for writing. a living tell people, uh, yeah, you should probably just write. Yeah, it's probably and the it, hardest thing to do. That's right. Because <laughs> yeah. what, what a what a aspiring writer wants to hear is here are the four things you need to do a lot of times when people say, I want to be a writer, what should I do? What they're actually saying is, I want to have a book published. What should I do? Right. If you're asking, do I want to be a writer? That's like saying, I want to be a swimmer. What do I do? Start swimming. swimming, (laughs) Right? Like, I want to be a runner. What do I do? Start running. Do you want to win a race? That's a different thing. Mm. Right? So if you, and and let me just clear this up. Winning a race is not an equivalent of, of getting a book published. Those are not the same thing. I'm just saying, there's different levels of everything. And what different. is winning? What does winning look like for you? Oh man! I I understand. That I heard your previous answer. Or you only yeah. want to build a great company and change yeah, yeah. lives, but like winning. So winning looks like us having this conversation when I'm 85, mm-hmm. and I um and I didn't quit. I know that sounds crazy, but you also know there's a lot going on in Nashville with people who haven't who aren't going to get to the finish line. And the world has taken out. And I am not going to get taken out. Hmm. I'm going to do what it takes to do this for a really long time. And that is an expensive thing to say. And that is a scary thing to say. But I am, um, on behalf of the people that have gotten taken out, I will not. I will take everything that they have invested in me and use it. So that's winning to me. Winning to me is saying in 50 years, I'm still doing this. Whatever this looks like. I may not write books anymore. I may not be on stages anymore. It may be different, but I'm still doing this. I'm still going after what Annie believes is the creative right thing that will impact the planet in the way she was made to do. And you keep that, you keep that from happening by not quitting and by resting and by resting and, and by, by being brave and by, and by inviting people lovely. in. Oh my gosh. And by being perfectly unique and by speaking love, let's do all the titles. But I mean, and it's by inviting people in, right? If yeah. I try to do this by myself, I will not make it. Yeah. So you need to have family and not friends well. yeah. and employees and bosses and boards and counselors. And as men, I mean, there is not a football player who wins a game by himself. We have got to have a team and you've got to have a coach. And so that's how we finish. Yeah. What's ironic is that there are football players who, who believe they win games by themselves. <laughs> and those are the ones that don't last. Those right. are the ones that fall. They look really good for a short amount of time. Yeah. And yeah. I don't want to be him, Harris. I, I, that's not who I want to be. Yeah. You know, I hope I'm still writing books in 50 years. I hope that I'm still doing, I hope it still looks like this, mm-hmm. but even if it doesn't, I'm still chasing for 50 years. I I want to still be chasing after the creative best that God has for me. Sure. I love that. Well, speaking of your books, other people's books. Yes. So we have three questions that we like to ask all our guests on the show. I'm ready. They're really fun. And the first question is, what is your favorite book? My favorite book of all time is Christy by Catherine Marshall. It's 
the story of this elementary school teacher in 1912 who moved to the backwoods of Tennessee to teach children who had never had a teacher before. Mm. Did that get made into a movie? Yeah, sure. I feel like like an elementary school, someone maybe watched that. For sure, for sure. It's um, Kelly Martin was Christy on a TV show, and then there was also a movie, but it's a beautiful story. all the books in the entire world. I've read it It's interesting because you're a nonfiction author, Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. you chose a fictional book as your favorite. Yeah, it just really, it's fictional, but it's also the story of Catherine Marshall's mother actually doing that. So it's um, historical fiction, Mm. truth-based fiction, which people may call my book that. I don't know. (laughs) But um, it's, yeah, it's just really beautiful, and it really mattered to me at a really important season in my life, and Mm. so... Nothing has replaced it in that amount of importance to me. I can't help but ask, what, mm-hmm. what is the best book that you've ever read on the topic of writing? Okay, so there's two. Writing Down the Bones is one of them. It's actually kind of Buddhist-based. Okay. Um, but you can insert your own beliefs into what she's saying and go like, oh, yeah, that is exactly how I live, whether you believe exactly what she believes or not. So Writing Down the Bones, and then Bird by Bird by Anne Lamont. Those are the two. Mm-hmm. And On Writing by Stephen King, I think, mm-hmm. is is priceless. The three of those are what I give as a set to people who want to be writers. I go, like, these are the three. Sit and read these. Write and read these three. And that's your, you got it. Awesome. I love that. I'll have to check out that first book. I'm oh, Writing Down the Bones. It's so good. It's an easy read. It'll make you cry, but... And it, it, you'll just underline the whole thing. She just is, she's thoughtful when mm. she's writing about writing. Beautiful. Okay, second question. What's something that most people don't know about you and you think might be crazy? I sleep in socks every night. Uh, oh, I love that. Yes. I've known you for so many years and not known this. <laughs> then I answered the question correctly. <laughs> um, wow. Yeah. I sleep in socks every night. That's probably one of them. Um that's maybe the best answer. Has that had an impact on your crazy? creative output? <laughs> For sure. Um, Any success as a professional author is, a, is because my feet are never cold. You so, heard it here, folks, on the Story yeah. Podcast. Start <laughs> sleeping in socks. Start sleeping right? in socks. And wake up inspired. That's right. That's right. I can't sleep in socks. Oh, my gosh. It's so much better. In that way. In no. the winter, I tuck my pajama pants into my socks. And then it's like oh, a dream gosh. come true. It's so great. I'm like sock from head to foot. This is... But I don't do onesies because those are terrible. Right. They're terrible. You have no freedom. Out of all my friends, if if someone asks me on like a game show, (laughs) name the first friend that comes to mind who's most likely to wear a onesie. I would be like, (laughs) Annie Downs. (laughs) Wear them, yes. Sleep in them, no. That's the difference. All right. Right. That's a great, I love that that's true about that. (laughs) Okay. So last question. What have you found to be your greatest source of inspiration, especially whenever you're in a rut? My friends, Mm. honestly, when I feel like I need to be inspired or pushed or challenged or reset, it's being with my people. They are my life source in a lot of ways. I am a Christian, so I believe that God is the greatest life source for me and plugging into that relationship really matters. But, but on a day to day, like looking you in the eye, kind of my friends thing, man, I, we just had a dinner on Sunday night with a bunch of really good friends and no one had their phones out. And we sat for four hours, four or five hours and just talked Mm. and no one was in a rush and no one had anywhere else to be. And it just made for, it was a re it was really life giving for me. Mm. And I leave those and I go home and I, I can write for two hours after that. I can just sit down and type up and just vomit out words because I, but again, Enneagram seven people fill me up. I'm an extrovert to the extrovert degree. So people fill me up. So that's what I do when I'm in a rut or when I'm sad, when I'm scared, when I'm happy, it's people and Coke ICs, but mostly people. (laughs) I love that. Yeah, me too. Annie, thank you. Oh, thanks for having me. I'm so excited about story. What a beautiful thing to watch you bring it here, and I can't wait to be there. I think it's going to be awesome. Well, we love your story. I, lo- I love the story that you're. I feel like you're in the middle of your yeah. story. We're all in the middle of a story, and we're all and and while we're in the middle of a this giant narrative, you know, I feel sure. like there's constantly these beginning, middles, and ends That's of exactly other stories right. throughout our life. And um, it's games just been in really, the season, right? Yeah, it's just been really fun to watch your season. I think Thank the you. the story that you're living is super inspiring oh, for other well. people in the creative community who are because you've. You've remained vulnerable and approachable. 
Thanks. Um, and yet, despite your success as how many years in now as an author, you yeah. know, it's, uh, um, yeah, people, I think you're still one of us. I and am. So, I'm just an yeah, Annie. Yeah, yeah. So don't forget about us little people. Oh my gosh. Whenever people walk up to me at a coffee shop or the airport or ever there was, and they feel nervous, I always go, you know, I'm just Annie. I'm just Annie. Who cares? I'm just Annie. Say hi. Let's be friends. Yeah. Well, we so. think Annie's pretty special. Mm-hmm. So no. thanks for yeah, hanging out with us today. Mm-hmm. Annie is awesome, isn't she? So fun, which is perfect because isn't her podcast called So Fun? That That's sounds so, fun. That sounds fun. Yeah, that sounds fun. <laughs> oh it's gosh. basically her like hosting her friends. You know, she just <laughs> brings her friends from around Nashville, and introduces those to those people to all of her audience and fans around the world. And so, yeah, it's a fun podcast. I've been on it, uh, and it was we literally just sat in a studio and laughed the whole time. It was great. Just told stories <laughs> to go check that out. Yeah. That sounds fun. Uh, so yeah, check out Annie's podcast. Uh, if you enjoy that conversation, you can find her online. All of her social media handles are Annie F downs. It's Annie with an I E. So check out her, her website is just Annie F downs.com. Uh, she's definitely worth following along with. Mm-hmm. She's a writer to watch for sure. Yeah. Um, but what was the highlight for you for that interview? Oh my gosh, there's so many things. I'm, I mean, as a writer myself, I found her book recommendations really fascinating. Mm. I hadn't heard of the first one, but the other two she mentioned, some of my favorites. I also really enjoyed listening to her talk about um, how important people are in her life as a creator person mm-hmm. and um, how important it is to let other people in to her process yeah. Um, that, yeah. Was, that really struck me. It was interesting is I, I made all these notes before she came in, even though we're friends and I know her and watched her career. Um, I kind of had all these notes of these are the things I want to talk to Annie about. Mm-hmm. And about a quarter of the way through the interview, we ended up going a completely different direction <laughs> and ended up being so much better than what some of my original questions were, because I think we are all guilty as a creative community of often thinking that there's this separation between our work and our personal life. But when you create for a living, or even if you create as a hobby, um, like that stuff is pouring out of who you are. And if you're not healthy as a person, that's going to change the art that you create, the stories that you tell, sure. the books that you write, everything, right? That's true. Yeah. So I love that we spent some time talking about that, just kind of hitting on that. I love one of the things, uh, I'm going to mess it up without going back and listening to it. I probably should, but... Uh, she, she said that her counselor gives her permission to believe the stories basically. Mm. Um, and I love that. And and I'm like, why, why would we need permission? But we so often do need permission to believe the stories that we tell. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I love that about her. What an incredible interview. Yeah. That was amazing. Yeah. She's going to be hanging out with us this year at story. Um, I can't wait to see her up on the platform sometimes speaking to us at a future story conference. She wasn't available this year. She was a little booked up. She's going to be in another <laughs> city, but she's going to be hanging out for part of the time. So awesome. if you come to story this year, make sure you uh, keep an eye out for Annie in the hallways and meet her and say, Hey, let her know that you listen to her on the story podcast. Those reviews keep pouring in Sammy. <laughs> So kind. People on iTunes, people Yay. have been giving us more uh, five-star ratings. So thank you guys for yeah, that. Thank you. Please continue to keep uh, clicking those five stars on iTunes or uh, those reviews wherever you listen to this podcast. Um, and grab your ticket for Story 2016 if you haven't done that already. Again, that is storygathering.com. I am Harris Third, And I'm Sammy Harvey. Thank you guys so much for listening. Mm-hmm.